This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 235. You know, I'm going to line up all these people to be on my team, and then I'm going to go get business cards, and I'm going to go get t-shirts made and wrap my car, and, and wow. that's all well and good. That's all good stuff that you probably need in the future. What you should be focusing on today is actually going out and doing things that will find you deals. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's going on, man? You know what? There's a lot of things going on. Actually, there are. There, there's not really actually that, much. that was like my seventh take. Yeah, that took seven tries for you to say <laughs> this is the Bigger Pockets podcast. And then what's going on? I don't know. It's like you had never done this I before. Just, I, I just I couldn't get the words out of my mouth. A little yeah. little thumbalitis there. Host. 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 The hostess. Host. With the most. the mostest. That would be you. I am the hostess with the mostest. I think so. I, I think so. I hey, man. So – Today. Today's show, today in general, is a big day. That's going to change. It's going to change the history of mankind forever. Wow. At least. Whoa. At least Whoa. the S- lives. Slow, slow your roll, Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to change a lot of lives, and here's why. Because today, there are two excuses that every single newbie on the planet. Hey, Brandon. Yes? Says. Oh, oh, you want to finish? Uh, I'm going to finish this. Oh. They use excuses. What are those two excuses, Josh? Um, I'm not handsome enough and I'm <laughs> not good excuses. enough. That's your excuses. No, most everyone says I can't find any deals. I can't, oh. and I don't have any money. We all want to be real estate people. Yes. 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 I so, cannot find deals. I, I don't know where to get money. How do I do this? What do I do? And we're not, we're not mocking you guys. We get no, it. Like, I get it. It's, it's tough. This is, this is difficult. Well, guess what? It's actually not difficult if you know how to do it, yep. where to go and what to do. And today's show is dedicated to that. Today's show, we're actually going to go pretty broad. We, we, the typical bigger pocket show goes really, really deep. We dive in on topics and, and we just keep digging and digging and digging. This show is more of a broad swath. A, a smorgasbord. A, 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 there's a G at the end. Smorgasbord? Yeah, smorgasbord. No way. Is it really? Oh yeah. Google it. No, right I got to check this out. I'm going to, he's, he's going to look it up. Well, while he looks it up, I'm going to keep talking. So today's show is really wide. More, it's I really don't broad. S M O R G I. I can't spell it either, but Google should fix it for you. Um, and, uh, we go really it, broad. Board. B O R D as in dog. No way. You talk because I'm going to look it up. I don't, I don't buy it. Wikipedia is a type of Scandinavian meal originally no, originated in Sweden. There's two spellings. Don't even try it. Where? There's a G. Smorgasbord. I, let me, I don't know if I believe this. This is Smorgasbord. No, there's a, there's a regional field place called, or regional food vendor place that called Smorgasborg. Son of a gun. There's a D. I've been writing that word completely wrong for all these years. Well, however, no, well, it does say it's an alternative spelling uh, according to the free dictionary. Just like, you know, back in the day, you wouldn't know this because, you know, you're like six years old, but back in the day when we took typing classes, you actually would put two spaces after a period. And then at some point in time, they said, no, you only do one space. Same thing. They probably changed it. 
Probably. We're going to assume that just so you're not wrong. A space lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to fight this one. I'm going to fight this one. All right. Anyway. Well, great it's, a, it's a smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. De yeah. <laughs> we dive in on finding and finding great deals. And, yep. the, and the beauty of that is not only do we talk about these topics, which you should – Definitely dive in and investigate. Yep. And, and we'll talk about that a little more in today's quick tip. But today's podcast marks the launch of our newest book. It does. Titled Finding and Funding Great Deals. Yeah. The Hands-On Guide to Acquiring Real Estate in Any Market by author Anson and Young. podcast guest Anson Young. And this, so, this book is fantastic. We're going to talk about it during this show, so we don't need to go into it now. But basically, this book, Finding and Funding Great Deals, is all about that. How do you find properties? How do you fund them? And today, Anson goes through a ton of strategies for both these things. So make sure you listen to the show and then go pick it up. You can get it at biggerpockets.com forward slash great deals. Or biggerpockets.com slash store, where you can find that in any of the other titles on Bigger Pockets. With that, listen. So we got a great show. What is today's quick tip, which quick I just alluded to? All right. Today's quick tip is very simple. So today on the show, we talk about a lot of strategies, but like Josh said, we don't dive, like we don't spend an hour on each one because we would be here for like 400 hours. And so uh, if there's a topic that we cover today, for example, you know, he covers HELOCs, right? You can go to biggerpockets.com anywhere on the site and there's a navigation bar, the whole, you know, blue bar that goes across the top of the screen. There's a little search thing in there. Just search for that term and then you're going to find potentially hundreds, if not thousands of results from podcasts to webinar replays to forum conversations to blog posts. Just be careful. Like when you get your results page on the left side, take note of the left side. You can choose different search categories, meaning are you searching in the forums and the blog and the podcast, whatever. And you can find pretty much any topic in the world, all the information you'd ever want. And guess how much that costs, Josh? Related to real estate. Related to real estate. Guess how much that costs? Oh man, that's $997. a day. No, it's totally free. Because totally Josh free. is a good guy and he likes to give away free stuff. Democratizing the Democratizing. real estate investing landscape. That is why we are here. That anyway, is. anyway, 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 great quick tip. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. Guys, show 235 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Let's get into this thing. As we mentioned before, today's show is about finding and funding great deals with host, with host, with guest. Guest. I'm so excited I can't get my words straight with guest <laughs> Anson Young. So let's bring him out. Anson Young. My what man. What? It's good what to have you on the show, on? man. Good to have you back. Thanks for having me back. By yeah. the way, yeah, you know, everyone said we shouldn't do it, but Josh was like, you know I, what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to get him on. Going against better judgment over there. <laughs> oh, definitively, definitively going against better judgment. Now, this is this is going to be a good show because there are two things that every single, I don't know, maybe not every single, but almost every newbie says right now that they're really struggling with. And not even newbies, right? Every investor are struggling with two things today, I feel like. How do, what, what, what are those two things, Those Brandon? two things are how to have hair as good as Josh Dorkin. And how Ooh. to be as tall as Brandon Turner. Those are the two things everyone's talking about. Oh, no, it is how do I find great deals? How do I fund great yep. deals? And you know what? We're talking to the man who wrote the book. He wrote it. He, he wrote, wrote the, the book. book he wrote the book, Finding and Funding Great Deals by Anson Young. That's right. Dude. That's very true. <laughs> yes. Both of those things are covered in that book, believe it or not. No way. I, no way. I know. It, Wait, yeah. does the body actually the meet mystery. the title? That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Wow. Very good. That's amazing. Well, that's so, what we're going to talk so, about today. You can just, you know, yes. you can just listen to the next hour and then you'll have everything you need. But I would recommend buy Nansen's book because I've read it. It's amazing. So I'm, let's do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I was just going to read the whole book right let's now. Let's do it. Let's we'll just do it. And oh, we don't even need to do an audible book. Uh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> On that note, is it coming out with an audible book? Are we out with yes. audio? Oh, sweet. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm about that's how we roll. Third of the way through that. Okay. So well, isn't that the most miserable experience recording an audio book? Oh, it's not like too it. bad so far. Oh, really? Oh, I hate it. I can't stand yeah. it. <laughs> Can we get into All this? Right, people let's do this. are waiting. They're yes. dying. They're All right, dying we're dying to find out what's going on. Yeah. So, why don't we hear do who I you are first? Deals? Well, for, before we get that, let's hear who are you, Anson? Because you, we have oh, yeah. people have no idea who you are. What do you? Who That's are you? What do you do? Right? Yeah, I've been on before. it once or twice. Again, against better judgment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you guys need need better judgment. I'm, I'm Anson Young. I work in Denver. I am a real estate investor, fix and flipper, wholesaler, wholetailer, um, a licensed real estate agent. I kind of do a little bit of, of everything in that spectrum. I have aspirations towards having hair as good as Josh, being as tall as Brandon, good being, being a in. landlord, maybe, maybe a mobile home park in, in maybe. my future. See? Oh, and then, uh, I'm rubbing off on you. I'm, I'm yeah, you are. 
<laughs> can't ignore those numbers. And then maybe development down the line, which I find very appealing. So very cool. that's a little bit about me. So what gives you the right to write a book on finding and funding great deals? Have you, have you done have you that any? before? <laughs> have you, have you, how, how many deals have you done in your career thus far? I found and funded a good number of deals. I'm a little over a hundred wholesales and I'm about 75 fix and flips in that, in that range. That's and, okay. uh, yeah, so found and, and funded a handful for sure. Yeah, a handful. A few that's, handfuls. That's solid. That's, that's solid. a big yeah. hand. That's a big hand. You know? That's like a Brandon Turner size hand. My hands are actually pretty small for as tall as I am. You know what they say about the guys with big hands? What do they yeah. say? Big gloves. So ah. uh, let's talk about finding deals. We're going to start there, then we'll go to funding deals later. So what? I'm going to start this way. I'm brand new at real estate. I don't know what I'm doing. What are the common mistakes that I'm going to make when finding deals? What do most newbies do? What do they screw up on? What are the mistakes when finding deals? I think, I, well, there's a lot there because uh, I run into this on a daily basis. But I think for new investors, you know, they focus on, I think, the wrong things up front. So when you sit down with a new investor and they're like, like, oh, I, this is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to create my LLC. I'm going to create my yeah. team. I'm going to have my, my lawyer and my accountant and my agent. And, you know, I'm going to line up all these people to be on my team. And then I'm going to go get business cards and I'm going to go get t-shirts made and wrap my car. And, and wow. that's all well and good. That's all good stuff that you probably need in the future. What you should be focusing on today is actually going out and doing things that will find you deals. Like Say it and so Anson. Right. I know. <laughs> And so it seems backwards where people are putting, you know, putting all these things in front of, you know, they have, they'll have a great logo and they'll have a great business card and they'll have a whole team of people, but there's nothing to back it up. They've never done a deal. They're not going and doing deal finding activities, whether it's driving for dollars or mailing or networking or, you know, getting together with wholesalers, that, that kind of stuff. It's, uh, they seem to be focused on the, the stuff that you should worry about maybe six months to a year into it. And I see people get get wrapped up in that whole thing. And I go, well, how, you know, what are you doing to actually find deals? And they kind of have this blank stare of <laughs> like, oh, well, I'm an LLC. Well, that's great. Buyer's I, list. I'm, I'm, I got a buyer's yeah, list. Yeah, I, I got yeah. a buyer's list. Right. Like, oh, okay, well, are yeah, you selling yeah. those buyers any deals? No. Okay. Yeah. What are we doing then? Yeah. Like, we're just playing business, you know, yeah. we're not, we're not actually <laughs> investing. We're playing business. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right. So that's great. That makes a lot of sense. And we talk about that a lot. Like there's all these little things that like everybody gets caught up in like, oh, I got to do this. And they're stressing out about it. Like at the end of the day, this business is about finding deals, having a strategy with which you're going to do something with those deals and then executing on that strategy. Right. Yeah. And that's a great point. I'd say that the second thing that they do wrong is they don't laser focus into something that you know, focus on one thing and run after it a thousand percent. You know, they yeah. might be scrambled with like, oh, there's a lease options and there's this and there's sub two and I could do direct mail or I can go knock on doors. Focus on something and yeah. then go run after it. Like laser focus. If, if I had laser focus at the beginning, my first two years could have catapulted me, you know, and I could be 10 times further than I am today. But I kind of had 10 different strategies and trying to work them all that having that laser focus, I think is huge. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So. So, so step one is, you know, obviously you have to figure out what you're kind of looking for, right? You have to set right. criteria, say, Hey, I'm looking for single family houses between 100 and 300,000 in the X, Y, and Z kind of area or city or whatever it is. And I want something that, you know, requires kind of light 
cleanup or something that requires, you know, extensive cleanup, wh- whatever it is, that's your criteria, right? You set that. Now, right. what do you do? Now you got to go and find that. Right. You wrote a whole book on this topic, Anson, <laughs> wrote a whole book on this topic. So that's right. what does somebody need to do to, to find those deals? So let's just read through the book, chapter one. No, um, so I, th- I think I think that analysis piece is huge, um, knowing exactly where you're going to be. And I think that that's, that should be step one. It's kind of analyzing your target market. Where do you want to be for what you want to do? Let's say Brandon is brand new and he's tall and good looking and he wants to go that's right. uh, wholesale deals. And so what, you know, kind of what's step one, like, where is he going to, to, to do this in Denver where, and so analyzing that market, finding out where the highest concentration of cash sales are going and networking with investors to find out what they're buying and where. So if you talk to 10 investors and you say, um, tell me about your last couple of deals and they'll say, oh, I buy three bedroom, two bathroom, you know, in X, you know, in this neighborhood for $150,000. And you go, okay, there's a data point. And so the more people you talk to, the more cash sales you can get your hands on to analyze where are investors buying, what are they buying them for, and then kind of reverse engineer that whole process to say, well, Brandon can then take all that information and say, okay, it seems like these two zip codes are where a ton of investors are working. And he can, you know, he can then go start doing what it takes to try to find deals in that area. So if he has a budget for direct mail, he can go direct mail. If he has no budget and he wants to go ahead and uh, knock on doors or he wants to, you know, do something low budget like bandit sign or something like that, he can go that route. But finding where to do, do that first activity is huge. Otherwise, you're just as scattered as if you're doing 10 different methods. You need like one or two zip codes to kind of like hone in on and, and the right ones and the right method. So I'm, I'm going to ask a question because I think a lot of newer investors probably have this question. Anson, you just said, you know, look and find the area that other investors are working. Isn't that a bad idea? Isn't that like, you know, going where the crowd is? Shouldn't you be looking where other people are not looking? Or is that actually the wrong strategy because people are looking there because the opportunities are better there? What What's your take on that? Well, let's say you had, um, let's say you do an, an analysis of uh, 10 different zip codes and you say, you know, the number one has... 50 sales, let's say like two of them have 50 sales of investor cash sales in the last three months. And then the other seven have like five investor cash sales. It makes more sense to start in those first two where there's higher concentrations of where people want to buy. It's kind of like, you know what the demand is. Now you got to go offer the supply. So when you go in and you, and you see, okay, these guys are buying here for a reason. They must be great rentals. It must be great for fix and flips. Um, There's ways to analyze for both of those things it makes way more sense to kind of go and offer that supply where the demand is than tr- yes, you can make money in those other zip codes, but it's going to be harder to find investors because it's not, it's not an investor heavy area. Now okay. that could be like that. Those could be good fix and flip zip codes or something, maybe higher end or whatever the, the reason is for it, not having as much cash sales. But if you're just starting out, you kind of want to go and look where everybody's buying and why they're buying. And then if you can offer the supply, you're in a good position as yeah. a wholesaler, at least. Like so how, how does somebody determine whether there's lots of cash sales happening in an area? How do I figure that out? So um, the, the two ways that I like, one is to network with agents 
literally should take an agent about three minutes to to get you a report of the last you know six months of activity for cash sales off of their MLS system if you're not licensed. And then another way is through a company like ListSource where all that data ends up anyways and you can purchase a list that says here's all the cash sales in this you know the Denver metro area and then you can kind of filter it through from there but having that data is is usually step 1 another way it's a little bit slower but networking with other agents to, or not other agents other investors to know where people are buying and you can kind of create data points from there so if a bunch of people are buying in one or two zip codes that you talk to then you have a good idea of where there's a lot of activity that makes sense. Thank you. I like that. Any anytime. All right. Yeah, sure. So, uh, great, so we're gonna look great for chatting the- with you. <laughs> can I can I talk to? Is that is that is that cool? Yeah. All right. Dive on in there, buddy. <laughs> All right. Good. So I want to talk about this. You mentioned going where there is a lot of competition in a way. Like, I mean, it's almost counterintuitive. You're saying go where a lot of other investors are buying. But if I do that, now it's a lot harder because I've got tons of competition. So how do I overcome that? How do I stand out? to the to the sellers or to whoever I'm trying to get the deal from how do I stand out and get those deals and that's that's the million dollar question right there is is how do you cut through you know your competition to so be buy my course for 997 and I'll tell you the secret yes. yeah okay Brandon <laughs> I will where do I send that? that and that's a great question you are going where there is a little bit more competition but if if nobody's buying in those other seven zip codes there's no point in you looking in there because you're not going to find an end buyer. At least it's going to be a lot harder to. So I think when it comes to standing out, there's a lot of schools of thought there. If you're doing something like direct mail, I try to stand out with my pieces. They're not going to look anything like my competition's pieces. If I'm doing, you know, cold calling, not a lot of people are doing cold calling. So that alone stands out, you know, door knocking, not a lot of people are door knocking. So that alone stands out. And, you know, being a, a, a professional also stands out in, you know, the, the kind of wholesaling beginning real estate investor world, you know, being a, being a professional, doing what you say you're going to do stands out or just calling people back stands out because you would, you might be surprised, but people actually don't call people back and they don't treat people professionally. And so when they encounter an investor who has stepped that level up, you automatically stand out. So kind of a combination of all those things of doing what your competition isn't doing to stand out. And then if you are kind of playing with them in a, like a direct mail kind of game, make sure that you're standing out. So you're not just sending them the same old tired yellow letter or the same old postcard that they get, you know, they have stacks of those. What don't they have? Send them something that'll stand out. Yeah. And and then when you do, you know, I, I think that point of professionalism is huge. And, and I think it's something that's sorely lacking in are in our space, unfortunately, by, by a lot of folks. So if you, if you can elevate and do that, that that's great. So, you know, you get somebody on the phone, you know, we're, we're talking about finding these deals, you know, and we're going to dive in a little bit on some of the things that you mentioned, but like, all right, I get somebody, I door knock, somebody's there. I send a piece of mail. There's somebody who answers it. Like somebody responds to you. Oh my God, freak out. Right. Like <laughs> what now? What do you, what do you say? How does, how does somebody deal with Somebody saying, oh, I want to talk to you. Okay. Right. What and do you do? And that's funny because I think that there's been somebody on your show who said like they got that first call and they're so nervous they kind of threw, threw, the threw phone. their phone across <laughs> the room. I think that and was I Danny, think about Danny that Johnson story. said that. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it was Danny. And, you know, and that comes with experience, obviously, uh, being comfortable with picking it up and knowing what to say. But I think when you're just starting out, it, it would help to – 
start off with a blueprint or a script that you could kind of walk through with the seller so that you're not just, you know, fishing for information. You're not just trying to pull it off the top of your head. You have something in front of you that says, okay, you know, tell me what year the property was built. And you kind of go through the process of finding out the information from the seller that you need in order to analyze the deal. And, um, and do it in a professional manner. So I think not like script, like a robot, but definitely something that you can follow that keeps you on track so that you can say, Oh, let me tell you about our process. And here it is, Mr. Seller. And then, you know, I mind if I ask you some questions about the property. So I know more about it and kind of go through an entire script where it keeps you on track. So then it, it kind of takes out that should take out that nervous part where you don't know what to say, you don't know where to go next, you don't know what to say next. All of a sudden, now you have something to follow. So you know, like, I'm Anson. <laughs> I am calling about yes. your <laughs> property at three four three Johnson Street. Thank you. I yes. would like to purchase your property, please. Well, tell so, it to me now. I, I think a lot of people look at scripts that way. Like, oh, I don't want to do a script because it's just it's going to sound informal. But it, to yep. me, a script is not about reading the script. It's like a checklist. You guys read the Checklist Manifesto? You guys read that book? Yep. Yeah. So the whole book. Okay, the whole book's about like fantastic how, book. Yeah, fantastic about how much checklists have made like this huge impact on a number of industries, like being a pilot, like they have a ton of checklists, being a doctor, hospitals, hospitals. it saves lives like crazy because even though we know things, we don't often do them in the heat of the moment. Right. So like when I go off my script, like I always inevitably forget to ask certain questions like, you know, I don't know what are the taxes or, or, you know, anything. There's a million questions I want to know the answer to. I forget. But when I have a script, I'm basically just going through and using it like a checklist to make sure I get every point. Otherwise, I got to yep. call them back again or I got to guess on something. And then the deals, right. I don't know what I'm going to get. So, yeah, I, mean, I think that's really valuable. So in the book, do you talk about scripts? I mean, do you have some kind of like at least like uh, ideas on what people can do? Yeah, I do talk about scripts and, and having one. can't remember if there's a sample in there or if there's a sample in the bonuses of uh, of a, you know, a script that I use. But either way, and, they, get, they get one. Either yeah, either. Okay. Yeah, either way, they okay. either way, there's an example in there to, that you know you can use it or you can use it as a launching point for your own script. For me, I have that that exact script in Podio. And so as I'm going through it, I'm entering in their information. I, I don't have 10,000 post-it notes everywhere. I have it in like a central CRM so that then I, I've done the script and then I have the information and it's all there and it's good to go. So Podio, I know we had, we interviewed a few weeks ago, Nathan Brooks here on the show, and I know you and I are both good friends with Nathan and uh, he talked yeah. about using Podio as well. So both of you guys convinced me that I need to use it. So I've been using it now with this mobile home park search thing. Uh, what I found is that with Podio, which is a CRM, you can make a, what they call a form. And so it's almost like a, a questionnaire. It looks like a front end of a website. And I just go through now and it asks yeah. every question I need to do. So I just go to my form and when I get a call on, on a deal, I just enter in all the information on the form. It makes it, and then it yep. goes right into my CRM. It's, it's really, really, really spiffy. Is that a word? Spiffy. Yeah, that is a word, I think. Yeah. But it's, but it's good. Like, like you said, to have that checklist of yep. the, the calls I take in my car yeah. are yeah. way different than the ones I take in my <laughs> office because, so you know, one, I have a checklist and I have a, 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 a an actual script in front of me. The other one, I'm trying to make sure I, you know, trying to think back to that script as I'm talking to him, you know, be like, Oh, so when was that built? And then I, you know, I, it's probably nowhere near as good as when I'm in front of my computer at my office. So I have a suggestion. Yes, sir. Josh, how about you guys print out your checklist and leave a copy in your glove box? Ooh. 
So that when somebody calls, you can talk on the phone and just look at the checklist. You always print out 10 copies and keep 10 copies you know, in, Anson, your, in your glove box. It seems not, like a logical idea. It's not just a pretty face. Yeah. I yeah. also have that's a that's brain that. cell or two. That's a great idea. Yeah, I really do, do like that. I'm going to actually put my script in my car as soon as we're done recording this. Cause that's a look at that. Change the world. Instant action. That's, Instant action. That, I love it. That's what I like. Then I'd have to pull over Josh or I'd have, yeah. Ah. yeah. Well, you could just tape it to your windshield. Yeah, well, all hopefully, windshield. hopefully <laughs> while you're taking phone calls with a seller while you're driving, you're not writing it down with your pen while you're driving because obviously you want to write down that information. So of course not. Yeah, you yes. should pull over, Anson. Of course yes. not. So, so instead of my yellow notebook pad, I should have scripts in my car is what you're saying? Uh, can, like can we all right that's, so moving great. on to the show here <laughs> the, no this is this is great stuff really really good all right so we're working on we're talking about crms we're talking about all, all this stuff I, um, I have a question if i could jump in before we move oh on. yeah i want you to do that sure because we're talking about it. we talked about direct mail marketing uh, i'm curious about like who are you sending to what's working well for you right now in, in your direct mail so my like obviously you're not just going to send out to everybody in the neighborhood yep. i mean you could but you really want to target people who are most likely to sell in the near future, have some sort of reason to sell. And so uh, one, my, my number one that I'd really like is old school driving for dollars lists. And, um, and that does take a lot more work than sitting down and just buying a list and then blasting out mail. This involves obviously driving an entire neighborhood, writing down addresses. And, uh, and I, and I think that actual deferred maintenance, you know, the more beat up a house is, that is a great distress point for a person to want to sell. They know that they may not be able to get, you know, full price on the market. They don't want to deal with inspections and agents and appraisers and stuff that, you know, they know that their house is a bit beat up. Somebody like me can come in and buy it as is. And that would be a good reason for them to call somebody like me. So that is my favorite list is, uh, I guess a bit more, more old school and archaic, it takes time and energy and effort to go get those names on a list. And I think that that that's worth it alone. All right. I like it. I like it a lot because again, it's, it's doing things that not everyone else wants to do. I mean, there's, there's easy ways to do things and that's what everyone oh, yeah. does and everyone coming out of the, the guru boot camps or whatever want to do that. And then there's ways that use this little thing called work and yeah, and, yeah people don't yeah. like doing that. Right. Yeah. The uh, more work it takes, I find the less competition I have. Yep. So I mean, for example, there's a county here in Colorado where the only way to get probate cases is to go down in person. You can pull 20 a day for a dollar a piece and it, you don't know if it has real estate in it or not. But that's the most most direct way to get the data versus another county where you can just email the administrator by, you know, buy them and they'll send you a, an Excel spreadsheet a, a day later. So which one do you think is going to have more competition? It's going to be the one that's way easier to get. Nobody's yeah. going to want to go down, pull 20 records a day, but yeah. you have way less competition, the harder it is to get. So really quickly explain a probate in 30 seconds or less and why it matters. So probate is when uh, somebody dies, they owned real estate and now their heirs or sometimes the state, whoever takes it over then wants to sell it. So whether they had a will or not, there's different ways that it could go, but that that's pretty much the. The, the gist of it. Somebody died and there's a house involved. Where does it go? Yeah. Perfect. All right. Cool. So we've got, you know, we, we're, we're, we're not going to give you the entire book. Obviously <laughs> we want you guys to check out the book, but we, we're trying to share some knowledge here as we do on every episode of the bigger pockets podcast. And by the way, all the stuff that Anson 
puts in the book, all the stuff that frankly is in any of our books, you can find all this stuff. There, there are no secrets here, bigger pockets, all this stuff is somewhere in and around bigger pockets in the community. But Anson does a great job of structure organizing and putting this all together. The book does a really good job of, of kind of walking people through again, finding and funding. So on finding, what other ways? I, I know there's, you talked about door knocking. You mentioned direct mail. There's MLS, networking. What, 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 how else do you do this? So, yeah, you, you hit on another favorite of mine, which is networking and referrals. I kind of lump those two together, but networking with agents, networking with other investors, networking with people who do estate sales, you know, networking with people who I call the gatekeepers who are in kind of the front line. It might be a probate attorney. Instead of going after probates, you might go after the probate attorney. And um, it might go after, I mean, in a nice way, not like put a hit out on them, like, uh, you know, a mobster movie. But, you know, you want to go after them. You want to create relationships. You want to provide value and network with these people and let them know what you do and how it can benefit them and their clients. So it could be, you know, it could be your CPA. It could be, um, it could be almost anybody, but if you target, you know, agents obviously have pocket listings, they have, you know, they come across short sales, they come across, you know, uh, estate properties, probate properties, and, you know, they know that this thing is too beat up to put on MLS. They'll get a bunch of hassle. Maybe they have somebody like you who could buy it and take it off their hands. They're the hero to their client. And, everybody wins. So networking and referral, I think is a big thing that's overlooked. Everybody obviously talks about um, direct mail, bandit signs, kind of that kind of marketing. I think it's very underrated to go after these gatekeepers and form a beneficial networking relationship with them. Okay. So I, I, a, cu- a couple sure. of quick things. We just had a great show. Uh, we recorded it today, in fact, as well to say, but, hey. but it was show 232 with Nathan Brooks. And we dove really, really deep on using networking as a means to find deals. Uh, definitely check out that show if you have not already. So, okay, with, with networking, you're talking about, you know, dealing with some of these professionals and other things like, what do I say, what do I say to them? And, and how do I ultimately win trust from these people? So let's just take maybe real estate agents for an example. Obviously a networking relationship should be beneficial to both parties. So you're not just taking, taking, taking. If there's a way that you can provide value to, you know, a real estate agent so that they can reciprocate. I think that that's kind of the best way to get through to professionals is to, you know, as a marketer, I might get leads that, I can't use, you know, somebody wants too much money or their payoff is too much. It might work out way better as a listing for an agent. So I'm sure that if I hand an agent listings or potential clients that they will keep me in mind when they come across, you know, those, an estate property or a probate property or hoarder property or something that they is outside their box. I'm handing them stuff outside my box. They're handing me stuff outside their box. It's mutually beneficial. That's great. That's great. And then you, you mentioned bandit signs and, you know, anyone who has been listening to the show for four years or, you know, know, at all, or has been a part of bigger pockets (laughs) knows that I have some real issues with bandit signs. And, and, and so, you know, I'll just say my issues with bandit signs are, you know, a, a lot of people use them illegally. So they're putting up, putting up these signs in neighborhoods and slapping them up on, on telephone poles and stuff like that. When it, you're not allowed to do that, it, it kind of, you know, it dirties up neighborhoods, it violates the law. So when is it okay to use a 
banded signs. Is is it okay to use banded signs? And how do you do it in a way that's kind of, you know, ethical, that doesn't make you look bad and doesn't kind of continue to damage the industry as I think these do, because anytime I talk to investors or non-investors are like, oh yeah, you, you guys are the scumbags that put signs up all over yeah, the telephone poles right? and all over our lawns. <laughs> now that, that's a great question. I am kind of in the same camp as you. I really dislike them as a method for what I do. Um, yeah. And that that stems from being in a kind of a, a higher priced hot market. We have, you know, we have educated sellers. They know their house is worth money. You know, I was out in um, San Jose uh, talking to Aria a couple of weeks ago and I showed them in my presentation was like some bandit signs that were funny, like uh, big Papa buys houses. And I'm like, <laughs> if you plant this in Silicon Valley, you, you you think you're going to get some calls? I mean, you you think you're going to get just people lined up to sell you their house or and and I think that there's just different ways that th- that things work in different markets. So, I think bandit signs here in Denver, I don't see very many honestly. I see a handful. A yeah. And I was just out in Ohio and I see I know I saw a bunch, you know, like everywhere. Every corner has, you know, three or four or five signs here, not so much because I don't think that they're actually effective here. I think in like a lower end rental type market, let's just say uh, Memphis or somewhere where there's a lot of rental inventory you can buy under a hundred thousand. I think it's more effective, but yeah, it comes down to, is it legal to do there? Are you going to get fined? You know, a lot of people say, Oh, if I just hide behind my Google voice number and don't return the phone calls, I mean, it comes back and gets you, you know, they have ways to find out who you are and do you want to get hit by a huge fine and, and take the hit to your reputation or, you know, me, I just, I don't like them. I do talk about them in the book for the sake of, yes, they do work in other markets and, you know, make sure you check your local laws, but you know, I I don't think in a higher end market, they're nearly as effective. Fair enough. So, I mean, like you could put it in like a, you know, a yard sign in someone's yard. I mean, like Brandon buys houses or, or whatever. If you want to put that in a yard you own, I mean, that's a good way to do it as well or stick it on the side of your car or whatever. You know, I find there are ways to use it that are not going to be trying to skirt the law. Yeah, I, I was irritated when I see like Facebook conversations about like, how are you going to skirt the law and just put up, you know, put up higher or take them down on Sunday nights. I'm like, why are we as an industry trying to figure out how to break the law in order to make some money? Like we're not, yeah, we're not, we're not. And I don't think we should be. And so like, yeah, I, yeah. Be good. Yeah, I totally agree. There's, there's, there's definitely better ways to use them. I do like how you said to put them like in the, in the yard of your project. If you're flipping a house, it could be a good brand recognition for your, for your brand. And I do have one that's, it's corrugated and it sits in my own yard. (laughs) So it's not breaking any laws. sits in the yard of the house that I'm working on. Just, just letting know people know that, Hey, this, this is coming soon. And, uh, you know, we, we would love to buy your house too, if you want to sell it kind of thing. So awesome. Awesome. Well, cool. So let's talk about the book real quick before we get too deep into this. I know we're gonna talk about funding deals, which I know people are really interested in, but uh, I want to know a little bit more about the book. First of all, Anton, what's it called? (laughs) Finding and funding great deals. Finding and funding great deals. All right. That's like a subtitle. Yeah. The hands-on guide to acquiring real estate in any market, any market guide. Mm, Fancy. That's great. All right. They can get it by going to biggerpockets.com slash great deals. And, uh, you've got some bonuses that we're giving out. First of all, the book is launching July, July 13th, which it should be today. This podcast comes out today. If you listen to this in the future, it's already launched. And, uh, let me, let me tell you guys real quick about the packages. Cause there's two different types of packages you can buy. If you want this book, listen closely. So first of all, during the launch, we're having a special on both. So make sure you guys buy this during the launch. The first, I believe it's 10 days. You can buy 
the digital copy or you can get the ultimate package. I highly recommend the ultimate package because you get the print book, you get the ebook, and you get all the bonuses. So I definitely recommend that. And uh, you get a bunch of bonuses. So let's run through the bonuses. I'm going to actually ask you about each one real quick. Anson, is that cool? Okay. And you tell me in, cool. in one sentence what it's about. Number okay. one, seven deadly direct mail mistakes. What is that? This is standing out in your market and basically how not to do direct mail. Okay. Okay. Property walkthrough inspection form. So just like you should have a script for your phone calls, you should have a script when you walk through a house, not a verbal script, but what you're looking for in the house, the windows, the furnace, what's the age of this, that, and the other thing so that you don't have to go back out to the house later and you, you get it all in the first shot. Love it. Love it. All right. Number three, a call-in info sheet. So just like we were talking about, that's your script, that your, your, your blueprint, your checklist. Love it. The, the ultimate door knocking guide. That's right. This is like a short ebook on, you know, everything from what to wear to what time of day to what to say. That rhymed way too much. But all of those things on door knocking, which is a kind of a lost art. So it Very is. Cool. It is. Very cool. All right. Vi- all right. A, a video finding the deal, finding the ARV. So this is, um, I think it's part of all the, all the different videos linked together. And this is uh, taking that that example deal. It's a real deal. And drilling down into the comps and why I'm choosing the comps and what I think the ARV is based on those comps and why. It's so Sweet. important because every deal begins with understanding the AR, ARV, whether you're doing flipping or wholesaling. It begins with that number. And if you get that number, everything else becomes a lot easier. Exactly. Very cool. I love that. All right. Video analyzing the deal, putting it all together using the BP calculators. That's right. So we, uh, so we find the target market, we find the ARV, and then we plug it all into the actual calculator and see if it is actually a deal or not. Very cool. All right. And the last thing here is only available during the launch, during the first week or so. It might be 10 days. I can't remember, but I think, I think it's a week. And that is the video of a property walkthrough. What is that? Oh, so Zach and I went through a property and we went through basically all the things that it was a real property, all the things that I look for, all the things that we were doing to it. And then, you know, basically an entire video walkthrough of this whole process. So it was uh, kind of uh, kind of estimating repairs as we're going through room by room of this property. That's awesome. 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 I love it. All right, guys. So. Uh, really quick to recap, this is Finding and Funding Great Deals. It's a fantastic book on both finding and funding the deal. You can find it at biggerpockets.com slash great deals, or it'll be available uh, when it comes up at biggerpockets.com slash store, our Bigger Pockets bookstore. And uh, those bonuses are available through July 27th. Oh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. So, Anson, awesome. This is great. Let's let's get back to this and let's talk about funding. Let's and and guys again as a heads up like obviously this is a podcast we don't have time to dive in on every little thing as detailed as we are going to do it in the book. That's why you should get the book. Sure. But Anson, funding deals. Yes. What sir. do I need to know? Do I, you know what's what's important here? There's a, I mean, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of what. How, it how do I do it? How do you fund a deal? How do you fund a real estate deal? So it really depends on a lot of things like 
Uh, do you have any credit? Do you have a W-2 job or not? Do you have a track record of, of deals that you've already done? What kind of deals are you trying to do? So if it's a fix and flip, obviously much different than if you were trying to fund a mobile home park or a you know 100 unit apartment complex. So it really depends on who you are, what kind of what kind of deal you have, and then kind of going from there. So if, if you have a W-2 job and you, you're investing on the side, it might make sense to go get a bank loan. If you're bankable, a lot of people. What does that mean, by the way? Bankable. Um, it definitely it, it means that is a bank going to look at you and see that you're you're easy to lend to. Somebody like me, where I have you know multiple LLCs and I don't have a W two job. I have a you know basically a contractor type job at the end of the day and variable income and all that stuff. They look at somebody with a W two a lot easier than somebody like me. So. So, you know, those those type of investors are great because they can go get bank loan after bank loan and until, you know, until they're full up. They have 10 properties or so, and then they have to maybe start looking outside the box then. But somebody like me, I might look for a fix and flip. I might look outside the box to more private money, hard money, those type of deals. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So why don't we do, I thought this would be fun. I have a list here of things that you talk about throughout the book and uh, different ways to fund deals. I thought maybe we just run through each one, just like we did a little ago with the book bonuses. Let's just talk about each one. Just give us a, 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 a you know, a couple seconds on each one. Kind of who would want to use it? Why would you want to use that? What are the pros and cons? You know, whatever you can kind of sure. think of. That sounds good. Yeah, absolutely. A, a quick little fiery round here. Number one, uh, you already mentioned this, but I'll, I'll do it again. Bank financing. When is that good to use and when does that just does not work? So it's great, again, if you're bankable, it's great if you have uh, maybe a more long-term project like a rental, a development deal. Bank loans have lower interest rates in, on average. And so if it's a longer-term project that you're going to be in for at least a year or two, uh, you know, up to 30 years on a more of a rental, it's a great, uh, great way to go. All right. Awesome. All right. Next one. By the way, I, I just want to clarify – the stuff we talk about here and the stuff that we're talking about that you talk about in the book, this is not just for flippers and not just for wholesalers, right? These techniques can be used by anybody looking for deals. I just want to make sure that we're, we're clear on this. No, you're right. It's uh, it's definitely, <laughs> it goes from zero to, to all the way to closing the deal. And it does have analysis in there, but you know, at the end of the day, I don't care what you do with the deal after the book, you could, you could rent it. You could, flip it. You could, you know, burn it down for fun. I don't care what you do with it. I just get you to the point to the closing table. I love it. Don't burn it down people. All right. Next, (laughs) next, next way. Private, private money. So private money is great for somebody who's maybe not as bankable and has more of a relationship lending piece there. So relationship lending is more of they're not going to check your credit. They're, they care more about the deal. They care more about you as a person and your track record than anything else. And so this is a great way to, you know, have somebody who you've worked with before fund a deal in the matter of hours instead of jumping through a thousand hoops at the bank or uh, going through a, a hard money loan. This is kind of that middle piece. The The interest rates a bit is definitely better than a hard money loan. The points are better. Uh, but you're not going to get that low, low interest rate with, like you would with a bank loan. But the, the positive side is that you can get deals funded quickly and they care way more about the numbers and you as your track record than anything else. I, I assume friends and family would, would fall under kind of private, right? Yeah, friends and family for sure. And there's probably more 
private money out there than you think funding deals every single day. And so going out and finding who these guys are, uh, guys and gals are, and then getting in front of them and saying, Hey, you know, Hey, I, I do these deals too. Are you looking to put more money at play? Here's my track record. So there is a track record piece there that you should have, um, unless it's friends or family and they, they like you for you and how tall you are and, yep. uh, and, <laughs> and go from there. So I like it. I like awesome. it. Right, what about awesome. hard, hard money? And how is that different from private money? So hard money is, it, it's way less relation, relational. There's, you know, three, four, five big hard money lenders here in town. You can fill out their loan application if they like the deal and you are somewhat bankable because they do look at your credit. They want to make sure you have some money in the bank that you can actually, you know, float the payments and everything like that. The interest rate is pretty high, you know, somewhere up in the 14, 15% and they might have, you know, two to four points, which really hurt in the long run. But, you yeah, know, so if what's, you need what's a point. So a point is uh, is one percentage of the loan. So if you take out a hundred thousand dollar loan and there's four points, you would owe them four thousand dollars plus the interest rate. Okay. So it, it gets pretty painful pretty quick. But if you need to fund a deal relatively quickly and you're not as bankable, um, it could be a good way to go. And here's the beautiful thing about hard money. I remember when I first heard about it, I was like. Who would ever pay that much money what for terrible that's people. terrible, right? Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> but then I, I realized like all you have to do, I read this in a book, I don't remember which one, but it just said, this one I was just getting started. It said, it's okay. Yes, it's expensive. Just factor it into your numbers, make your offer based on the hard money, and then it's not a big deal. Like it just it's part of the cost of doing business. And I thought, oh well, okay. So I just analyzed deals with that high interest and high fees, and then I did deals. So Yeah, and if a deal's a deal and the numbers work, the numbers work, even yep. with that painful. Yeah. But as soon as you can get away from hard, hard money, rate. get some cheaper, cheaper yeah, money. Yeah. That's no, good. that's, that's goal number one. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All, All right, cool. cool. So next cash. cash, why, what, why, when, how to use cash. So cash is just like it sounds. You just bring a briefcase full of money to hey, title yeah, <laughs> and make it rain. And then, uh, <laughs> and, you, and you get a property. And so now, uh, I think it's, I think it's good for, if you want to put your own money to work, if you don't want to, you know, you, you don't want to get financing for something. It's usually the quickest and easiest way to do a deal. You have, you know, less title fees. You don't have any lending fees. Um, you could walk in and pay cash for a deal that somebody who's financed might not, they might look it over. If somebody's analyzing a deal with hard money, they factor in all those percentage points and the uh, APR and they say, oh man, this isn't a deal. Someone with cash might walk in and they don't have all those fees and all those, all those points and everything. So the deal looks much different when you have cash because you don't have as much expenses. There's been a number of times also where I've purchased a property. In fact, I just did it a few months ago. Uh, where I purchased a property with cash and then immediately went and talked to a private money lender and, and they just basically refinanced me. Uh, and I did sure. that because I needed to move really fast, like faster than the private yep. money lender would have done it. And so I just paid cash a month or two later, got financing, and then I had the cash freed up again. Oh, look at me. Big cash lender. <laughs> wow. I just showed up with the- Make it rain. Come on. He did. Wow. He did. I got to put, put all that BP money to work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So All we right. got, uh, cash, which is always fun. And then we got, uh, Oh, one more note on cash. A lot of times when you buy and correct me if I'm wrong, when you buy from County, like auctions and things like, uh, you know, government auctions, they require cash. You can't, you like sometimes can't even get to other sources at all. Right. Right. Yeah. Like here you need to put down a deposit at the beginning of the auction. And if you win the foreclosure auction, you have to come back like at two o'clock the same day with the yeah. balance. 
And so not a lot of lenders can move that fast and you need a, a big fat cashier's check to do that. So, cool. but by the way, re- really quickly, you know, what, what a lot of new investors will do is they'll use cash as an excuse for buying a bad deal. So, yeah, yeah. well, since I'm not using leverage, you know, and I'm putting all this money down, you know, the deal looks like a great deal. But if you evaluate it from a leverage standpoint, the deal's not a great deal. And so when evaluating deals, definitely do it from a leveraged perspective, uh, because odds are you're not you're probably going to want to put your money to work in some other way than just sitting it in the property. Yep. Yep. Is that a fair assessment? No, that's a great assessment. Whether you want to refi out for a more long term conventional loan or like Brandon does with private money, it could be something that you can move fast in with cash and then refinance later. But if you didn't analyze it, you know, financed, you could be screwed at that point. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. All, All right. right. So next one. Syndication. Syndication. Uh, this is basically pooling uh, other people's money together in order to to fund bigger deals. And so this could be a really good way to get into, you know, somebody like me, I can't go take down a hundred unit apartment complex, not yet anyways. But if I have enough friends and family and people who want to pool together in on the deal, it could be a great way to then uh, go after those bigger projects with bigger money. And so uh, that that's definitely a good way to graduate in the game for sure. Very cool. Excellent. Right. We got a couple more here. All right. We'll fly for these uh, self-directed IRAs. So IRAs are a great way to put your IRA money to work, whether it's in your own loan, uh, your own your own purchases. Um, there's a couple ways to do that. It goes way longer than we have here, but or you can actually become a private money lender and lend somebody else that money, then putting all the profits right back into your IRAs and uh, and put your money to work that way. You know, pay yourself an interest rate based on the note, and you're good to go. Awesome, all awesome. Right. So uh, last. Uh Last one here. What about just in general creative financing? Like, is there any other like clever creative things you can think of that we haven't covered? Yeah, there's a bunch. I mean, subject two is one of them. Subject two, where you where you take uh, title to the property, subject to the loan staying in place. So, if I bought it from Brandon, Brandon's Wells Fargo loan would stay in place. Uh, my name would then go on title, and I make his payments for him. He walks away from a problem property, and I just I don't have to go get that bank financing. I don't have to go uh, put cash on the line, and I don't have to get a private loan. The loan's already in place, and I'm just taking over his payments. Something like that. Very short version for sure. Very cool. All right, and there's a bunch more stuff. And of course, if you want to learn more about funding deals, pick up Anson's book, biggerpockets.com slash great deals. We are very, you know, proud to have released that. It's a very cool book. So, but we're not quite done. We want to shift shift gears here a little bit and head over to the world famous fire round. It's time for the fire round. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9 to 5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. 
Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Calling all property owners and operators. Are you managing a multifamily property and looking to elevate your residents' living experience? Introducing Quantum Fiber Internet, your go-to choice for speedy internet your residents will love. The process is as seamless as Quantum Fiber service. Starting at just $50 a month, your residents can enjoy fast, reliable internet that will make them love where they live even more. Connect with your local fiber representative today. Learn more at q.com slash go big. I wonder how they got that domain. That's q.com slash go big. Limited availability. Service and rate in select locations only. Taxes and fees apply. 360 Wi-Fi and other equipment lease charges, taxes, and fees are excluded from price for life offer and may be increased. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. All right, let's get to the fire round questions. These come direct from the Bigger Pockets forums, and we're going to fire them at Anson Young now. So watch out, Anson. Here you go. Number one, I am looking for a real estate agent to work with me on my first deal. What sort of things should they be able to help me with? And what separates a good real estate agent from someone who's not good? So a good real estate agent for, I'm assuming, investment properties here, since we're talking about that, would definitely have a track record themselves. Uh, I, I, I get trying to want to work with newer agents and maybe they're hungrier and maybe they're this and that, but they don't have that grizzled steel of, you know, surviving the last downturn. And, you know, I, I kind of like that grit in, in agents and they've worked with investors and then they've made them money. Definitely triple check their numbers. I don't trust anybody's numbers, whether it's a wholesaler or an agent or anybody, but uh, go find somebody who has the experience to then help you out. You know, they know their areas, they know their rents, they know what's coming in the neighborhood. And that experience will, will make up for your lack of experience being a newer investor for sure. And then I guess what makes a good and a bad one. I mean, uh, that experience is a big thing, but there could be too much experience where they're set in their ways. And they may think that, you know, uh, they may think contrary to all the new fangled stuff that comes up on bigger pockets that we all love. So I don't like that whole internet thing. Yeah, internet. What is that? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, old school. Old school. All right. Next question. Bigger Pockets member Rachel asks I have one rental property that I paid all cash for $150,000. Right now, I'm looking to purchase more rental properties, think about four doors each in the 50K range, and would like to know how I could 
best make use of my equity for my one rental property. I've looked into getting a home equity loan. However, I was turned off by the high interest rate. I'm reaching out to all of you, Anson, for suggestions. If you're in my situation, how would you go about doing the financing for my next four doors using the 150K in my first rental property? So uh, that there's a hundred different uh, things there, but definitely, I mean, apart from selling it and doing kind of a 1031 and playing Monopoly into a bigger property, I guess the refi or the, the what did she say? The, uh, there was the home HELOC, yeah. I guess, yeah. wasn't working out for, um, you know, I maybe even just a, you know, 75% refi and seeing if she can pull out, you know, that amount of money. So what, that would be what? 115,000, something like that. More than that. All right. Somewhere 75% of 150 grand, she could pull that out um, at a better interest rate than definitely a HELOC. And so you can either play the monopoly, get do a 1031 exchange, but that would require selling said property or definitely find a, a better way than the high interest rate of the HELOC, which I think a, a refi could be that. Yeah, I love that. I think uh, she probably get like down to like 5% interest on a, on a 30 year fixed and Oh yeah. Be able to pull out over a hundred grand. That should easily get her, her four more properties, you know, with absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. All right. Nice question. And we'll, we'll say this is the last of the fire rounds since the first question had a couple in there. Uh, how do you ask a seller? <laughs> you just cut me off. Do you so, want to, so it's just, <laughs> just cut me off. You ask the last one then Josh, here we go. No, you, you do it. It's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. All right. Look at, me. Look at Josh all over do. their hurt wow. feelings. Wow. How do you, yeah, I'm hurt. How, what are you doing? How do you ask a seller to carry the note? How do you ask a seller to carry the contract? So my favorite way to do this is to give them two or three different offers. So you, you basically give them a sheet that says, okay, option one is I buy, you know, I buy it for cash or I buy it for, you know, my private financing. That'll be, you know, $150,000 is, is the most I can pay in that scenario. And this is what it looks like. Option two is, you know, I can maybe pay up to $165,000 or $170,000, but that would require you to, for me to make monthly payments to you. And this is what it would look like. And you give the pros and cons of that too, because they might be looking for maybe a tax break or a, they don't want to take the lump sum. Maybe they'd love to have monthly payments over the course of, of years. And so, you know, having those different options just kind of right up front, like, hey, here's what happens if I just buy it. You walk away. We're all done. We shake hands, leave as friends. Here's one that looks like, hey, I might I can pay you more, but I'll pay you in installments over time. And it, depending on their situation, where they're at, what they're looking for, they may not they may not even have thought of option two. But here you are presenting it to them. And so they might want the cash lump sum today or they want may want payments over time. Either way, you're giving them the option there and showing them the difference of your offer for sure. I love that. I think that's fantastic that's advice. So cool. All right. All right. Stuff. All right. Yeah, you could cut me off. It's fine. I, you right. know, I'm, I'm not, I don't matter. <laughs> you don't. I know. Uh, well, do you want to do well, the introduction to the my famous My mom four, would though? disagree. Your mom does love you. Do you want to do the introduction to the famous four? Oh, do I want to do the end? I'm giving you yeah. that. Famous Four. All right, Anson. I, I don't even know how you introduce the Famous Four. <laughs> They're like, all right, guys, this is the Famous Four. All right. We ask these questions on every single show. You know the questions already, Anson, because we've asked them to you before. But let's hear what you have to say today. See if any of that changed. We're in it. <laughs> yeah. All right. What is your favorite real estate related book other than your own? Other than, oh, then I don't have one. No, um, <laughs> 
I, I, I can't reuse read rich dad, poor dad. I think I said that the first time. Um, I really do. And this is going to sound like me kissing up to Brandon, but I really oh, yes. do like his, his low and no money down book. Um, that has been on heavy rotation in my world here looking for, you know, creative ways to do stuff that doesn't require full cash. Like Brandon can just throw out there and then get re- <laughs> refied out there. So by the way, yeah, when exactly. I do full cash, I'm buying them for like 15 grand. So it's, oh, a, it's, it's ain't Denver prices. That's, that's a different Brandon's world. Right family, there. If you're listening <laughs> and, and that's a house with like four walls. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I got it, it at a government is, auction. It was great. Wow. That's, that's amazing. That is crazy. All right. Next question. Anson favorite business book. My favorite business book in a, in a kind of roundabout way is The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And it's more of like a mindset book, I would say. But, um, but it's a great book that deals with life, business, whatever you want it to. But I kind of like these kind of higher level mindset books for business rather than like, hey, here's the XYZ of a business that you're not even related in. I do like that that aspect. And that book is, is incredible. So, yeah, so, I like so that you one. got, you got me a copy of that book and it's sitting on my dresser next to my bed. I have not yet opened it. It's just sitting, I'm going to get to it. I got to get there. So something like, I, you something know I, I gave you, you sleep next to is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, I, that, yeah. That's an honor. I, I like that. Yeah. You should because I, I hear Ryan Holiday listens to the bigger pockets podcast. So now you just offended uh, him. So great. Ryan, yeah, apparently he's a fan. If you listen to the podcast, we would love to have you on yeah, get in touch, you- man. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, uh, by the way, Ego is the Enemy is the other book. That was one of the most yes. life-changing books I've ever read. I I need to reread that one like every year. It's Says really the good. guy with the biggest ego I've ever read. <laughs> All right. right. So, Anson, next, right? Seriously. Anson. Big, guy, no big ego. ego. Yeah, you know what they say about yep. guys with big egos? Big heads. Hobbies. Hobbies. Anson, what are your hobbies? Really? What are you I just got, what really? do you enjoy doing when you're not, you know, investing <laughs> in real estate and, you know, writing books? <laughs> Well, let's see. No, we, we, we're definitely outdoors here, uh, in, in Denver and we love to go up to the mountains and hike and paddleboard and do obstacle races and all that fun stuff. Try to get out and, uh, and live that active like lifestyle for sure. And then my other hobby is to go see, uh, really loud rock and roll shows. So, uh, so I'm losing my hearing, you know, one show at a time for sure. So I love it. I love it. I just saw Metallica. It was unbelievable. Oh man, I saw that. That was you were like right there too. You yeah. I was. I, I caught the pick of destiny. But yeah, that was. <laughs> I was. That was amazing. Did you um, also? And- did you also go watch like I don't know like uh, bare naked ladies or any other like nineties bands that are no longer relevant? Hey Anson. <laughs> so what sets apart successful investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Wow, stole it. Yeah, there he goes. <laughs> well, I think that there's a, I think that there's a lot of things. Um, the, the first one that comes to mind is having that laser focus in the beginning. I've said consistency in the past, and that is true being consistent in the right things. You know, you can be consistent at the bad things and never get anywhere, but having that laser focus of where you want to go, um, what the end goal is, you know, where are you investing? What are you, you know, what kind of deals are you going after? And I think on a higher level, like who do you want to be? What do you want your company to look like? You know, what do you want it to represent in your community? And, and having laser focus in all those areas really sets your day-to-day tasks in order. I mean, you can just look at your big picture and you go, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing this. I may not like it right now, but I'm building towards something bigger. And having that focus helps you through cut through all those things. I love it. That's awesome. All right, man, before we let you go, 
Where can people can find, people more, find about about more about you? Oh man, where, where can, no, I missed it. Definitely. I think that the best way right now is through uh, my bigger pockets account. And I get quite a few messages there from just the, the previous podcast and that's worked out well. So I think it's uh, biggerpockets.com slash users slash Anson. And that, I think that that's me. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll link through that in the show notes, which you can get to at biggerpockets.com slash show two, three, five. Anson, thanks again. Congrats on the book. It's thank you. It's fantastic. We're really excited to be a part of it and looking forward to helping lots and lots of people with it. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for supporting the community and putting out this book as well. So that's uh, that's huge. So thanks to you both. Right on, man. All right, guys, that was Anson Young, author. He is now an author. He is author. An author. Of the book titled Finding and Funding Great Deals, The Hands-On Guide to Acquiring Real Estate in Any Market. A lot of good stuff, man. A lot of good ideas, good strategies. And of course, of course, we we highly recommend you get out there and pick up a copy of the book, biggerpockets.com slash great deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash great deals or bigger biggerpockets.com slash store. Yep. You to, could probably to, also go to Amazon and like search for it if you wanted to. But. Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, you know, wherever you yeah. buy books, definitely check it out. Yep. This, this thing is available in varying formats. I oh, love by it, the way, you know? I don't, we didn't mention this in the show, but varying formats. So we do have a physical version. You can actually get, put this on your shelf. There's also oh, yeah, a digital sure. version. You can, you know, Kindle, iPad, phone, computer, uh, and also an audio version as well. So you get there, you got your, your choice of a smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. <laughs> did, did you ever watch The Muppet Show? Was I, that, a little bit. Yeah. Do you remember The Swedish Chef? Yes. Skittier, bittier, work, work, work. <laughs> and throw his forks That's pretty good. That was That's, pretty good, right? That's pretty good. Yeah. You're good at Muppet impersonations. Yeah. Wow. Can I, I hear, can I hear Kermit? Um, oh, boy. What is Kermit? <laughs> Hold on. Let me try this. Oh. <laughs> no, I, no. That's a disaster. Nope. Nope. That was the worst impression of Piggy. I don't know. I don't know what he sounds like. I have to listen first. <laughs> that was terrible. All right. Let me put all right, let's let's are we gonna do impressions? Is that what we're no, gonna do? No, we're not gonna do impressions. <laughs> no, that was great. Anyway, Anson, big thanks to Anson for coming on the show. As we talked about in the beginning, if you want to dive in on any of these topics, go to biggerpockets.com, jump on our search engine, and you can find anything and everything you're looking for. And until next time. Because I am as red as a beet thanks to my ridiculously bad <laughs> the frog. Oh, I'm Josh Stork. Signing off. Signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com. Your home for real estate investing online. It's time for it's time for it's time for the random five. All right, now we have one more segment of the show, which we like to throw in here at the end, called our random six. Random six. I don't know if we have a new sound effect there or not, but we'll try. All right, we're just going to ask you a few <laughs> random questions about yourself, Anson, to find out a little bit more about you. Nice. Number one: What is the most exciting thing you've ever done on a dare? Oh boy. Um, you really put me on the spot here. I am uh, on a dare. Let's see. I've, I've eaten, uh, 
I've definitely eaten some some things that you should not consume on a daily basis. Like uh, I, I saw Josh's uh, eating crickets and stuff. That um, was awesome. I think That's I weird. ate a live cricket. The guy won't on a eat dare. a pickle, but he eats crickets. I don't know. He, pickled crickets. What's his favorite? I, uh, you should see Josh at a restaurant. And 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 uh, what was it? Cricket and grasshopper. I ate them in one shot. Are they pretty good though? Weird. They're like roasted it was, though. It yeah. was uh, like yeah, it wasn't bad. It was crunchy. It was it wasn't okay. terrible. Yeah, so I think the worst thing on a dare would be like the live cricket, like catch it in the yard. And when we were kids, you know, pop it in the mouth and it's very squishy, not dry. Not not so good. Uh, yeah. By the way, I know this is not this is not my uh, random five, but I once got dared to eat two pounds of cheddar cheese. I got through a, about a pound and a half. Couldn't finish oh, it. Oh, that explains that. a few things. Yeah. <laughs> that just yeah. sounds horrible in so many ways. <laughs> I didn't eat cheese right. for a long time. All right, next. On a one to ten scale, how do you rate your karaoke singing ability? And I think I know the answer. I've never done karaoke. What? Although, yeah, what? right? Well, yeah, now I, is a good time. Yeah, we got to go do this. <laughs> but on the, on, on, on the other side, I think one of my favorite spectator sports is, is after you have a couple of drinks is you sit there and watch other people do karaoke. Uh, yes. It's it's literally the best, like especially <laughs> if it's like late, like 1 a.m. and they've had too many drinks. And uh, yeah, it goes downhill real quick. Nice. <laughs> All right. What cartoon character do you identify most with? I really like I think Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes is a good I guess it's not a cartoon, but it's a comic, yeah, I fair. guess. That's fair. Comic that's book fair. character. He's he's sarcastic, sassy. He knows more than a six-year-old should and uh, and has a, a huge imagination. So nice. I like that kid. Nice. Next question. And before I ask it, of course, Brandon's a Scrooge McDuck. What, what do you do to relax? You don't know who Scrooge McDuck is? Of course I do. I go, swimming, I go swimming in my, my coins. Like exactly. That's what yeah, I Yeah. Exactly. Your, your massive amount of money. <laughs> yep, that's what I do. I swim in it. It's really good. Funding right. those <laughs> government auctions. Um, for me, <laughs> for me, I, I, I really do. Um, I, I just started doing uh, jujitsu and oh. uh, thanks. Thanks to Nathan Brooks uh, for, for, a, for yeah. a big part of that. Huh. And, um, and I find that, you know, pretty relaxing. Like you, you get done with it, you know, you worked hard and yeah, that the whole mental process of that is hugely re- relaxing for me. So very uh-huh. cool. I like That's it. Awesome. Yeah. All right. My next question. Uh, what, and I know the answer to this, what musical instrument, what musical instruments do you play? I play guitar and bass and a little bit of drums and a little bit of keyboard, but not, not nearly enough of those other two to be proficient, but that's, that's where I'm at. You and me need awesome. a jam sometime. We're going to have fun. Maybe we'll bring Josh in to sing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got what, this. What is Josh the, on a 1 to 10 for his karaoke? Uh, easily, Josh, easily a 15. Ooh. Uh, exactly. Ego is the enemy. <laughs> wow. I can blast out some Pearl Jam. Ooh. I can blast out some. Metallica. No, no, no. I can't do that. I can't do that. All right. La- last question. Um, a lot of music questions here, Brandon. I didn't pick them. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of music questions. Mindy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't we? Why don't we go with what's your favorite video game? Oh, my favorite video game. Let's see. Of all time, let's go with. Uh, I think here. I really like like the old school Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Like like yeah. like like three and. Uh, and the the first one that came out on Super Nintendo, I think it's just called Super Mario Brothers. Like those, we, we just got a Raspberry Pi and you can do all the old games on it. And I sat there with my my six year old and we played like these old school games. And we just had like it was it was taking me right back to old school, 
you know, Super Nintendo days. And uh, and and yeah, the great games for sure. That's very fun. About. Awesome, man. Good uh, stuff. Well, thank you, Anson. We'll see you around. Thanks, good guys. Luck. Good luck on the book lunch. Thank you. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.